Dear Jazzy. The following program is intended for mature adults over the age of 18. If you are not a patron looking for information on sex, relationships, and gender, please visit scarletteen.org. Nothing said on this show is a replacement for official medical advice. Trust me. Last time I checked, no one here is a doctor. Welcome back to Dear Jazzy, episode 52, the show where we answer all flights' kinky questions. I am your host, Jasmine Starshine. And I'm your co-host for the day, Fonnie Ebedeal. Welcome back once again, Fonny. Thanks for having me back. I'm glad to know that uh, I haven't burned any of my bridges. No. But you still like me. Of course. <laughs> Why would you? No, Fonny, no. <laughs> Why would you even suggest something so horrid? No. There's a reason why we keep bringing you back and kind of like a, you have like a, like a little bit of a residency here on the podcast, as it were. I know. I just need therapy. <laughs> Mood. How have you been? I've been pretty good. It's been a, a good week of just working on art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing majorly bad has happened to me yet. Good. Good. <laughs> I can vibe with that. I don't know yep. where I was going with that. But I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And how about yeah. yourself, Jazzy? How are you? You know, I've been... Uh... I've been doing okay. I've been a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a space case, as you can probably uh, tell. Uh, the pharmacy. I was supposed to get my refills, but then they like borked something with my doctor, and I had to wait a day, which means I was off my meds for a day. But now I'm back on them, and I had, and now I have some CBD in my system as well to like even things out. So I'm a little bit like whoo, like in the ether, but I feel great, and that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And good news. It's uh, kind of incredible how just like missing a day can just completely screw you up, can it? Yeah, no, for real. It is. Uh, it feels weird. Uh, definitely don't like it. Definitely yeah. don't like missing. But I feel like safe and stable inside, and that's what matters. Um, other than that, in, yeah. In good news, uh, my boyfriend and I we just started watching The Sopranos for the first time, and we're really, really loving it. Mm-hmm. And then, That's uh, good. I've heard really good things. Oh, it's fantastic. And then the only other thing of note is uh, for Valentine's Day, he got uh, copies of Grandia and um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Memories for the PS1. So I've been sitting on the couch watching him play those. And it's been just been like a nice chill time at Casa Starshine and everything. But uh, all that aside, we have a show to do. So that's been how things do have we? been. That's a, yes, that is what we do here. <laughs> but before we do that, what we usually do is we talk about our Patreon. Um, so sorry, I was just swallowing my spit <laughs> and everything, so I could just like get through this without going <sniffs> into the mic. Like last week, I was editing the show and I heard so many mouth sounds, and I was just like, "Why am I just like a <laughs> gross human?" So. In the $1 vanilla tier, which gets you a username shout-out, we have Damia, Fluffy Nate, Gosh Cheeks, Raystar, and Tone Cluster. In the $5 Kingster tier, which gets you monthly and nude image sets from yours truly, we have AB Michael, Brya, Casa, Juicebox, Maxi Skywalker, and the Starling family. In the $10 fascist tier, which gets you all of the blow, including an extended shout-out, and little short clip videos I do once a month, we have Ishi and Scotia. In the $15 fetishist tier, which gets you all of the below, including some like co-director input on it, 
We have Lucy, who writes, When life pushes you, make pushies back. And Kaneko, who writes, Shout out to Jazzy for being a wonderful, sweet puppy and awesome podcast host. Thank you very much. It's very wholesome. And finally, in the $20 deviant tier, which gets you all the below, including your name written on my body or elsewhere in the porn, we have Daddy Gray, who writes, Happy Lunar New Year. Uh, Jamie Bell, who writes, I'm going to, this is a specific voice. I'm going to try to do this. <sighs> I'm so hungry, I could eat an Octorok. Ugh. Joe uh, and Sluggy, who writes, Dear Jazzy, is brought to you in part by www.slime.com, where viewers like you, that guy over there, and Frank, end quote. So funny. Today on the show, yes, we did talk about slime.com soup. Uh, really quick, if you want to join in the live show and join in the chat that's currently popping off about slime.com, uh, you can hit up uh, me at the show's email, which is dearjazzypodcast at gmail.com, on Discord, on Twitter, anywhere, and we can get you all set up in the server and rocking and rolling with us. Funny. Today on the show, we yes. are interviewing none other than you because you are. Joining the Dear Jazzy crew, as it were, not on like a every single week basis, but on like a recurring semi-regular basis. So we thought, let's interview you and talk about how you got your start in the scene and learn about Fawny. What do you think? I was I didn't see anything. You've got nothing. Nothing but- at all? <laughs> <laughs> no, let's get into it. Okay. I have... My slides here. There we go. All right. And then we got another PowerPoint. We're so organized. Yes, we do have another PowerPoint. Uh, Let me go ahead and let me go ahead and share this one. I feel like a teacher. Uh, Let's see. Change to viewer (laughs) because we don't want people editing this. Oh. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I lost I can... my editing power and I feel a little I'm bit sad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can fix it if you want. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Okay, okay. Keep going. So, You're fine. doing a good job. Thank you. I tried my best. I really do. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fonny, you have been on the show in the past and we've gotten to know a little bit about you, but tell us... Um, Tell us about like what you do in specific, like your talents, because you draw, you sew, you do all sorts of cool stuff inside and outside this community. And like, how did you get into those things? Give us a little insight. You were talking about me uh, making me open up. Oh, goodness. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can talk about my talents all day long. Um, so I got into drawing like really, really young. Like as soon as I could hold a crayon, pretty much I was drawing on every surface, walls, furniture. Oh no. Sometimes paper. You know? Sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was a very crafty child. Like my parents had no idea what to do with me. They were just like, here, have some glitter glue. Have about it. Um, and that just kind of like rolled into drawing in the margins of my school books and really enjoying art class and um, trying my best on whatever printer paper I could find in the house uh, to like kind of draw the things that I saw on TV or in the books that I was reading. And I really got into drawing horses. I was a horse girl. Yes. I was a horse girl. And also my sister and I are both horse girls. We can bond. Yes. Yes. I was also a dragon girl because dragons are just scaly horses. It's true. Uh, my big yeah. sister, not Ruka, <laughs> my actual like 
blood sister as she was a dinosaur girl so kind of similar to dragons and everything oh perfect indeed yeah so yeah i loved drawing horses on everything um and then i started watching anime and then i started drawing anime girls on everything um and it was always specifically girls and you know as a kid i was like i don't like like girls i just like how they look and now i look back and i'm like i was an idiot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the signs were there the signs were there yeah yeah and um and then i got my hands on my first tablet i think it was like 80 dollars off of amazon and i was like this is the most advanced piece of technology i've ever owned and i'm gonna do all the art and then i did <laughs> nice very nice yeah uh when you said that um the only thing i could think of was when I was in um, elementary school, I was, I, I, w- I would draw like comic books and that sort of thing. Obviously, I'm not a visual artist, but it's something I did as a kid. And I would draw basically like style sheets and like outfits and everything. It's just like, man, I don't want to be a girl. I just really like the fashion choices that are socially acceptable for them. Hmm. That should have been a warning sign <laughs> for my parents early on. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So tell us a bit about, uh, your sewing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, sewing is kind of one of those hobbies that I haven't really like shared openly with the internet at large. Cause like, I don't Did know, I, just I only recently you? got so back sorry. into it. No, I mean, I don't have a public gallery of it is what I mean. Ah, gotcha. Everyone right. can know about it. It's just, I don't really have anything to show because I don't take pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a shame because I am very proud of a lot of my projects. Uh, but I actually started sewing like before I started drawing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom taught me how to use a sewing machine and then I just went nuts with it. Like I used the sewing machine as often as she would let me haul it out and put it on the dining room table and like take up the entire table for weeks at a time mm-hmm. with the little projects that I was going to run around and work with. Um, And then I kind of got out of it in my teens where I would just like kind of come back to it for like a costume for a convention or something and then uh, put it away for years at a time. And then now I live um, in a, in a place that can support an entire studio for just me. Like I call this, this room that I'm in right now, my study, Mm -hmm. it has my crafting shelves. It has my sewing machine, which is actually a, really cute Canadian machine from the 1960s. Oh, cute. Yeah. Yeah, so it comes in, like, this little table that folds out, and you have to, like, haul this metal contraption out of this table to be able to use it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't have any special functions. It has one setting, and that is go. (laughs) Go and stop. Yep, pretty much. Uh, You can't do zigzag stitches. You can't do anything fancy. Uh like buttonholes with it, nothing. Uh, it is just a straight stitch. You either go or you don't go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, like I've figured it out well enough that I can do pretty much everything that I need to with it. Um, I mean, this is what they used in the 1960s. So, right. I mean, it's good enough for me. And we made I it past the 60s. A- so they, it was clearly enough for them. Yeah. Um, and like, sewing machine technology i could talk about sewing machine technology like oh my goodness for 
as long as you'd let me, honestly. <laughs> this is a show where we why. stan special interests. So by all means. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me hyper fixate on this for a minute with you. Yes. So sewing machines haven't really changed much since they were made. Mm-hmm. Um, they have needle that goes up and down and bit around the bobbin that catches that needle thread and throws it around a bobbin to make a stitch with two threads. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a hand crank on the side of this machine so that you can use it manually. Back in the day, you used to have to um, actually use one hand to make the hand crank go and move your fabric with your other hand. Oh, dang. Nowadays, you don't have to do that. You have it uh, powered by your foot. Mm-hmm. So that you can use both hands whenever you're using this machine. And um, whenever I was looking up information on my machine, which I actually got for pretty cheap, it was like $80 Canadian, which is about $4 American. <laughs> this is four Freedom Eagles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's totally a joke. It was probably more like 60 bucks for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I looked up all the information that I could find on it and, you know, there's a whole, whole swack of them out there um, still kicking because it's a totally metal machine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have any computer in it. It doesn't have anything that could go really wonky. I think I've broken one piece on it and it was a spring. Nothing else can really break on it. So this machine is going to outlast me. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty darn sure. I love it. I felt the same way. Uh, when it, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to, to do uh, to say one more thing about it. It is a Singer 185J. If anyone Ooh. wants to take a look at Sing- what it actually looks like, it's adorable. Singer, cool. Uh, one of my friends is way into cosplay and um, also mm-hmm. majored in fashion design and everything. So I got a little bit of a crash course in that. And I know that Singer is a cool brand, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I have a little bit of knowledge in this, but. Um, when it comes to like all metal machinery, um, as a lot of people know, I've been getting into uh, cooking and baking a little bit more, but I've always kind of like really enjoyed baking. So a few years ago when I bought a KitchenAid Artisan uh, stand mixer, it, I was really excited because it's just like this is an all metal thing that will last forever. Unfortunately, that's one of the things that I lost in the breakup and I'm kind of broken about it. But there's just something so cool about having something that's like a very permanent part of like your passion and your hobby. I feel the same way. I feel the same way that the same connection to like my microphones and everything as nerdy as that sounds like I love them. They're my babies. And that's why I take off the girls and yell into them to make the funny mic sound and everything. But <laughs> yeah. And they still work after years and years and years because there's nothing, there's no computers in them. It's literally just, a piece of copper wrapped around a magnet that has an XLR cable that supplies nine volts of power to it and you're good to go. (laughs) But anywho, uh, special interests aside, (laughs) but we do stand special interests here. Um, I also see in under the talent slide, you, you wrote down internet sleuthing and I definitely want to hear more about that. Um, yeah, back to what I was saying earlier about like hyperfixations. Um, I don't like <clears throat> have bad hyperfixations anymore. Thank goodness. I've been able to kind of like sit, know when to say when with uh, the things that I get into 
Like I used to lose hours and sometimes like spend the entire night up until like the next morning, just like diving into something because I had to know more. But um, it has taught me hyper fixating on things has taught me how to be a really good internet sleuth Mm -hmm. and taught me how to find things pretty quickly. Um, I'm usually the one who will go out and find information if people are, people are looking for it. Um, and this usually has, uh, helped me out in the Lolita community quite a bit because there's a lot of information that, uh, just kind of gets lost out there. Like there'll be an item released by a brand and it'll have a name, but it'll have come out like 10 years ago and only a couple people have recorded this information on the internet and I'll have to go out and find it. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I remember I bought a coat. I bought a coat by a well-known brand, but there was like no information on it on the internet anywhere that I could find. Whenever I like first looked up on the usual places, like what is this coat? Um, and then I was kind of thinking about it, and I went, "Well, hang on a minute. There are magazines that used to um, showcase like the season releases for all these these brands." So I went through those magazines a page at a time looking for the coats but I did I did narrow it down I went okay this magazine has a seasonal release there are four copies uh four issues per year and one of them is going to be the fall winter so I should probably only look at the fall winters because that's where the coats are going to be uh and sure enough on like the third magazine that I went through uh there was the coat but I couldn't like read the name because it was written in Japanese Mm-hmm. And I am not far enough down the rabbit hole to learn Japanese yet. Yeah. So what I ended up doing is uh, using my indispensable tool, uh, the Google Translate app, to mm-hmm. write in the characters that I could see because they were too grainy on the page for the app to read. Um, writing in the characters that I could see to kind of get an idea of what this thing was. And uh, turns out my coat's name is Charlotte. And Aww. she was released in 2008 cute so it yeah. sounds like there's like it sounds like there's an angle of like data preservation and like archival stuff in there and that's really cool mm-hmm. yeah um i like being kind of a, a human archive of these things and like helping other people put together information that they're looking for mm-hmm. yeah there's a website called Lollybrary. um which is not for lollies, stop that. Uh, it is the Lolita library of, of information on uh, brand releases and dresses and shoes and blouses and everything like that. And uh, I've gotten to know like one of the people who does a lot of the um, like item archiving for it. So I've been able to kind of help out here and there just kind of checking in and being like, hey, I actually own this dress that you don't have pictures of. Do you mind if I just give you the pictures of mine? And they say, oh my God, hell yes. Yeah. This one's from 2003. Bet you've never seen that before. (laughs) Also, I'm sorry if there's like a hum in the background. Um, The current office slash studio is right next to the room where our water heater and HVAC system is. Uh, we are moving <laughs> this summer. I'm very excited to no longer be next to. Um, and if you've ever heard in the background of an episode, just something going in my mic channel, 
that's exactly what it is. And I just heard it spin up. And I'm just like, God damn it, shit. <laughs> How dare you have a house with hot water? How dare I have a house where I'm not cold? <laughs> <laughs> How dare I? All right, so. I think a, a hot water heater is a luxury. Yes, it, indeed. Whereas I, the resident <laughs> communist, think having hot water and a roof over your head and three hot meals a day and education is a right. It's a right, goddammit. Um, Judge Starshine, stop getting political on the podcast. I will unsubscribe. I will not stop. <laughs> Anywho, uh, <laughs> getting into the second question. Um, how did you get into the whole ABDL world and then the ABDL and kink side of creativity. Uh, where on the internet did you really like get your start with all that? But first, like, how did you get into our whole kinky world? Uh, oh, goodness. So whenever I was reading over the question, I was like, okay, we're talking about like the specifically the creativity side of all of this because like, gosh, I could talk forever on like my personal history with all of this. Um, but yeah, let's, let's go right back to the beginning. Um, I have no frigging clue when I like started being interested in ABDL and diapers and everything like this. Like as a kid, I was like, Hmm, wouldn't it be nice to be restrained? (laughs) And now I'm into bondage. Imagine that. And then, you know, sometimes it'd be like, Hmm, wouldn't it be nice to play house and be the baby? And now I'm into ABGL. Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. Keep an eye on your kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I don't really have too many, like, very clear memories from way, way back when. Like, I don't know. It was just not really a good time in my life. So I don't remember it very much. Um, mm-hmm. But I do remember, like, closer to uh, junior high and, like, the end of high school. Um, like digging around on the internet. I remember like my first forays into like looking at things on the internet quite well, actually. Like this is like late, late knots, about like 2008-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, just like going on the family computer being like, I'm going to look this up really quickly and then delete my history, you know? Oh my God, that's such a mood though. Yeah. Literally just me sneaking down when everyone else is asleep going on a disc and then erasing the history. I downloaded a whole nother internet browser for that. I was so paranoid. Yeah. And uh, thank goodness I was like the only technologically literate person in my family that I could like hide my activity really well and no one would be the wiser. Um, Mm. And I remember I would go to like story archive. I would like read other people's little fiction stories um, of like their fantasies and stuff and be like, Ooh, Ooh, that's all right. I'm like a little young for this, but Ooh. Yep. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Been there, done that. Yeah. And uh, so I probably spent like a year just like looking through other people's fictions and stories and things like that. And just kind of like, looking at the fantasy side of it and being like, well, no one, no one really like practices that in real life. Do they? Do um, they? Yeah. And then I got my own laptop. And then the world opened up to me as soon as I got my own laptop. 
I was going and, to say uh, that's when the Renaissance happened. Yes. Uh, this is like probably grade 11 for me. I get my own laptop. No, I got my own laptop a little later than that. I wasn't allowed my own laptop till I graduated. That was my graduation present. Isn't that sad? Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't I saying really mm-hmm to that. I was doing that mm-hmm as in like, yes, I have heard you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit sad. Isn't that sad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't yeah. mean it like that. <laughs> but, um, but yes. Okay. So I remember going on Fox Tales times. Classic. Back when they were still updating. Yeah. And that's whenever I like looked at the forums and saw that people actually did this stuff in real life. And I was like, oh, oh my God. Okay. I guess this is my lifestyle now. Um, and then it's kind of a blur after that. Like I had a boyfriend at the time, uh, who like kind of knew that I was kind of in, interested in this. Cause I would be like, I, I don't know what my feelings are. I'm 17. And what is this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whenever I was kind of telling him about that stuff, he would be like, uh-huh, okay, that's cool. I'm also 17, and what is this? But then uh, he found a uh, an artist on DeviantArt uh, who used to go by the name Kiki Panda. So he showed me this picture by Kiki Panda that I actually have in the PowerPoint right here. It's this girl on a hoodie. Mm-hmm. And I have a very fond memory of this. This is 11 years ago, and I still remember seeing this and being like, put it away. Oh my God. That's secret knowledge. Um, (laughs) No one can know. What do you mean? My dreams can be realized. What are you talking about? And whenever I saw that picture, uh, that's when I started thinking, Oh, well I could draw this stuff too. And, uh, I started up a DeviantArt account. I used to go by the name Rose hip T why did I go with the name Rosehip Tea? Because uh, apparently Rosehip Tea is a diuretic. Oh. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a pee pants. Um, and that was like kind of the, the theme that I wanted to go with. Like, ooh, it's a little bit elegant and it's secretly kinky. Mm-hmm. And I was going to uh, say, I would never have I got, known. That was clever. Yeah. Yeah, and I kind of wish I had kept it. But at the same time, like shortly after I joined DeviantArt and started drawing, like probably six to eight months after I had that name, after I like started using that name, I got to know some of the other artists in, in the ABDL circuit. And uh, Pizza Bagel was one of them. And Pizza Bagel has this OC. Their OC is named Rosie. And Rosip T usually got shortened down by other people to Rosie. So it would get a little bit confusing. Uh, And I figured, well, Pizza Pickle's been around for a lot longer than I have. So I'll just change my name. Mm. And I went with Fonny ABDL. I switched right from Rosehip T to Fonny ABDL. And I don't really know why I went with Fonny ABDL. I wasn't called Fonny on any other platform. I guess I was just like, oh, what do I like? Deer? Okay, Fawny. Okay, it's kind of like Hello Kitty, so Fawny, sure. And then what do I do? Uh, ABL Art. There you go. There it is. That's my name. I mean, it's a lot better than the usernames that I would choose around that era. (laughs) Yeah, I had some really 
choice names back in the day. I was all about that XX Oof. underscore Blood Raven underscore XX life. Oh putting yes. MCR as my away message and everything. Don't bring me back to those days. Oh my God. <laughs> I never left them. <laughs> that's okay. It's just, that's not my image anymore. I got to rip my own brand. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anyways. Um, yeah. Um, I, was going to I got s- into art. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Freaking oh internet goodness. lag makes it What's so it makes it so <laughs> difficult because like the lag between our voices with like because we're always I'm all, correction I'm always talking over you because there's like a a couple milliseconds lag I am so sorry please continue oh I, yeah um, I didn't really have too much to say after that actually like I think you tend to like kind of talk over me just as I'm finishing up anyways like where I should probably have cut off already um. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to say, uh, like, I didn't really have any art training before I started drawing. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing. I still don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, I think the most formal training I ever had was from a how to draw manga book. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those really bad ones with the 3D renders. Oh, gods. I remember those. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. it's... Uh... Uh, sorry, as you were going to say... I was gonna, we just did the thing again. I think what happens is like <laughs> it's like the, it's like the whole like the radio voice, the podcast voicing where it's just like you have to like jump in and do the thing. But it's the other part of me, like the pseudo Canadian part of me that's just like, nope, hesitate, be polite, <laughs> give the right of way to the other person at the stop sign. Nope, I crashed into them. Oops. <laughs> and everything. That's, I'm so <laughs> sorry. But um, what I was going to say is going back to. um like your personal renaissance and getting a computer. I, I think a lot of people um, in our community can absolutely relate to that. Um, like getting their first unrestricted access to the internet and like mm-hmm. that being kind of like an awakening of sorts. Um, I remember in the, in the mid two thousands, um, the Nintendo DS had a peripheral come out. That was a internet browser and it was very rudimentary. <laughs> it was basically text and, and very image slow and very slow. Yes. And then it got updated when the DSI came out and it was built in and everything. And it was, <laughs> I just unlocked a deep memory for sluggy, but um, it was on my Nintendo DS that I would access like forums and my, later my DSI that I would read stories and, um, of all time, like my favorite style of fiction was like banned fan fiction. So I was like, all right, let's t- let's read about AFI and diapers. Let's read about fucking MCR and diapers. <laughs> What's this? Slipknot? Throw it in. <laughs> We're doing that one, too. And it's just through that. It just, <laughs> I just became like a degenerate so fast through my Nintendo DS. And when when I was in high school, and that's when I, I built my first computer and also when i got an ipod touch and the ipod touch which at the time was like the tiny one like the ravioli resolution and i would just stay up all night on a <laughs> tiny screen just reading like that's the sound of like my finger going over the screen that's really bad onomatopoeia but it's just you know it's one of those things where it's just like this is my first 
view into this whole expanded world and everything. So I just wanted to throw that personal anecdote in there. Um, everyone in the chat can stamp that on their bingo sheets, the personal anecdote when I take over the conversation and everything. Uh, I'm going to firmly give you the talking stick back right there. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, on unlocking deep memories, uh, I just had a little bit of a brain blast. Yeah. I completely forgot. I had a Nintendo Wii. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I used to, I didn't have any like fancy controllers or anything. I used to use my Wiimote um, on the internet channel mm-hmm. to like message my friends before I had my own laptop. So this is like high school years, how I would message people. I didn't have a smartphone because like, what was out of the, uh, they were still kind of dumb phones, but they were like, the ones with like the slide out keyboards and, and all those yeah, cool like things. Yeah, like the kick flip. Yeah. So like there or were better kick, ways to kick, message. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there were better ways to message my friends and like go on the internet. But I didn't have access to those. So I would use the internet channel on my Wii to, uh, God, what did I used to use? It was one of those services that it was like, you can do MSN on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, or like MSN in a browser. Um, and my parents would be like, you can't use the family computer after these hours. And I would just like go on my Wii right. and continue messaging them. But so. yeah, I do remember like going through DeviantArt and uh, looking at other people's fan fictions and things like that at that time as well. I totally would listen to music that I wasn't allowed to listen to on the internet browser. And I actually found out you can use the USB ports on the back of a Nintendo Wii to plug in a USB keyboard. So at the time, it it was like a big, chunky, compact internet Wayfair revision one keyboards. Riot three days grace. Enter. And it and it worked. The Wii was just this incredible thing for its time i that's a that's a deep memory that you totally just unlocked in me as well oh my goodness yeah let's uh let's tuck those away for therapy later yeah i think that's going to be the topic of my (laughs) next appointment (laughs) yeah all right so this is getting into um your creative process how do you get from conception to realization with your art um Okay, so yeah, the first note that I have here is that it, the picture that I'm kind of wanting to put together needs to start with a uh, solid idea. <clears throat> so I can't really go into it being like, well, what if I want to do this? Or like, what if I want to do that? I have to like really decide like, okay, it's going to be a picture of uh, two girls uh, on a bed and one of them is going to be kind of closer to this side and one of them is going to be over here. And, like, I'll bounce this idea off someone if I need to, to be like, well, what do you think would work best here? Or I'll just kind of, like, go at it if I'm confident enough. Um, And I don't really have too much of an audience in mind before I, like, make something personal for myself. Uh, Sometimes I'll be like, oh, let's do a little bit of fan art. But it's usually, like, characters that I really like Mm -hmm. in positions that I think are cute. Um. And then once I have that solid idea, like that little picture in my mind of kind of what I want it to look like, um, then I will start with 
the general layout of this picture. I'll do a little sketch of the, the background to be like, well, maybe there's going to be a bed over here and there's going to be the wall here and it's going to be angled like this. And uh, I'll just kind of like throw in general uh, shapes for where I want the people to go. Um, and I don't usually like thumbnail this. Like I don't usually like do multiple versions of kind of what the picture might look like at the end. I'm, uh, I'm a little too impatient for that. I just want to like get into it and be done with it mm-hmm. before I even start, which is kind of a bad idea. And I should probably start thumbnailing a little more often. Um, but here we are. Yeah. Uh, after after I kind of have the general layout of this image done, um, then I'll go on the internet and like look up stock images of like the the poses that I'm wanting to work with. Uh, and I really really like Senshi Stock, who actually just changed their name to Adorka Stock on DeviantArt. Mm-hmm. They have so many pictures of just different kinds of people in different poses and it's a wonderful resource like you'll get kind of the same person uh doing the same kind of thing but you'll get like five different angles and slightly different positions in these pictures so you can kind of um pick and choose which one you want to go with and Mm -hmm. it's a really good reference for it you don't really have to like find too many different things and like Frankenstein them together to make the, the, the pose that you want. Um, and I'll put those, I'll put those up beside my canvas or up on my laptop screen. And then my canvas, uh, is on my tablet screen. So I can like look back and forth. Um, and like, I'll be drawing on my canvas, which doesn't really have much on it but uh, be able to use the shapes that I see on that reference to put my people together. Um, And whenever I do draw my people, before I start putting in the actual shapes, like here's a thigh, here's a hand, I'll, I'll just draw gesture lines. And you'll just see like a little skeleton of a person almost, where it's like, here's the shoulders, here's the hips, and it's just a line. And, and then from there, I'll put uh, the pieces of the body on. Like, I will go out in and draw, like, here's the, the calf of the leg. Here's the forearm. Uh, and then after I have kind of their general body done, then I will put clothes on them. Um, and this is just kind of to make sure that I'm not, like, making any egregious mistakes whenever I, like, go straight in with clothes. I'm more inclined to draw the shoulders wrong for instance, it'll be like, oh, wow, her shoulder is like way further up than it should be because I just threw a shirt on there instead of like actually visualizing where her shoulder should end. Mm-hmm. So it sounds um, like you have a very like keen attention to detail when it comes for anatomy. And that's something I've absolutely gotten whenever I see your work is I always like marvel at just how sound your anatomy is. And that's like you. from from yeah no for real mm-hmm. and from what i understand that's one of the hardest parts this is from this is what i hear from my artist friends that anatomy is one of the hardest things to like do and also merge that into your style and that sort of thing 
Yeah, and uh, my style, I definitely take some shortcuts. Like, the knees of my character don't look like real human knees. They're very simplified. And, uh... For um, shame, Fanny. How dare your knees not be photorealistic? Uh, knees are ugly, okay? I have a <laughs> hang-up on knees. <laughs> <laughs> You heard it here first. I hate knees. Cancelled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cancel culture comes for the knees with a baseball bat. I'm, I'm going to tell TikTok. I'm going to tell the Zoomers that you don't like <laughs> kneecaps. And then they're going to come and bust your kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I didn't want them anyways. Okay. Valid. Uh, <laughs> just to be contrary. Uh but uh, what was I going to say earlier? Uh, oh, we were maybe talking about anatomy and stuff. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I see that Bria said, I used to be an artist like you. Then I took a fawning in the knee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was good. That timing was great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Bria. Um, right. Uh, yes. Anatomy is very hard. I think perspective like applying perspective to anatomy is just a little bit harder and I'm still working on that one. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta know how to crawl before you can walk. You gotta know how to walk before you can run. I just wanted to say crawl first. Cause I know that you're, your baby. Mm-hmm. Wow. Rude. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Anyways, <laughs> Anyways, so I really want to get anatomy solid before I start being really clever and creative with perspective. So I'm hoping that's my like 2021 art journey is perspective. Mm-hmm. And speaking of your yeah. art journey, where do you want to take uh, your art, whether it be your, your visual art, your sewing, where do you want to take your creativity and where do you want to see it go? Uh, so it stresses me out a lot to think of having to keep a consistent schedule with art. Um, so me going full time with this is never going to happen. Consistency with me is never going to happen. Um, so what I'd really rather do is just collab with other people. Uh, I want to collab with as many people as I can, honestly. Uh, I've collabed with people like Pizza Bagel and Cuker, and uh, I've collabed with Juicebox, and I want to collab with Juicebox again. Um, so I'm hoping that that's something that we can do for Easter, maybe. That oh, would be cute. A lot of fun. Cute. Yeah. Imagine oh, a Juicebox Easter pick that I get to work on. Precious. That sounds oh my like God. one of the most fun things in the world. Uh, and I want to do small little pieces of merchandise for other people or be able to just put like a design or two on an Etsy shop and just, you know, let people buy those out and not really worry too much about uh, making a name for myself in the merchandise world. I'm just saying I would happily put Fawny merch on my body and wear it happily. Wink. This is me encouraging you to do yeah. that. I know. Once, whenever I'm done this batch of commissions, I'm going to work on some. I, I promise you. Ooh, um, that's exciting. Yeah, like, 
I mean, I've, I've dropped a couple of ideas here already, but you know, mm-hmm. maybe will be a thing, maybe won't, who knows, but uh, I want a Dear Jazzy mug that has the Dear Jazzy logo on it and just says, this mug is full of beans. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, you know what's funny is that you can actually totally make that on the merch website right now because I activated the customize tool and that cursed idea makes me oh want to God. deactivate the customized tool because you can totally select mug, click the lo- like the DJ logo, and then put whatever text you want on it. And you know what? Uh, why do you have? I'm to- sorry, I'm on the website right now. The- oh I'm no! This mug. To, to, that's very loud typing. That's like mechanical keyboard level typing. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. It's but, a MacBook. Ooh, fancy. Which yeah, I was that annoying bitch in the in the back of the lecture hall, like just typing my notes. Oh, I was totally right there. I've been on the MacBook game for like almost ten years now. I've just been like the annoying kid in the back, like with the glowing apple just yeah. sticking out like a sore thumb in class, just like hello, <laughs> look at me, I'm annoying. So I spent uh, money. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. Look at me, I mowed a lot of lawns. Um, speaking of money. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can people uh, throw money at you for Patreon or commissions or that sort of thing? And I know that we talk about that at the end of all the shows that you're on, but just kind of like, I feel like this is also a very appropriate time to talk about like your, your presence and everything. And most appropriately, how people can give you money because you deserve it. Yeah, thank you. I like money. It helps me pay my bills and stay on the internet. Yes. Um, I I can usually be found in just a couple of places. Uh, I don't tend to move around too often, uh, and I don't tend to do the the big purge uh, that I did a couple of years back, where I like just took a year off and then came back. So right now I am on Patreon at Fawny ABDL, and it's just Fawny F A W N Y, and then the letters for ABDL ABDL. Um, I'm also on uh, Twitter, and I tend to just post in those two places, uh, and my commission links are in both of those places as well. Um, I offer multiple tiers of commissions. You can start out with like just a little nice clean sketch from me uh, for a pretty decent cheap price, uh, or you can do a fully colored, fully shaded, like all the bells and whistles picture from me uh, for... I think just over double the price of a, no, it is perfectly double the price of a, of a sketch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's still very reasonable, like a, a fully shaded uh, and colored and everything picture from me is going to cost you less than a hundred bucks, which, which is, is pretty darn good. Yeah, no, that's an unbelievable price. Like one of the big, uh, talks on furry Twitter right now is how there are so many talented artists who aren't charging enough for their art and it's predicated by like so many cheap ass furries not wanting to put out a lot of money for really good art and it's just like mm, please give artists the money that they deserve and everything yes 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 and commissioners please 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 ask for more money please you deserve it uh art takes time and time is money and uh whenever you offer really beautiful art for pennies um 
I, I don't want to say it, but like, I know it sounds mean, but whenever you offer really, really cheap commissions of your beautiful art, other people can take your prices and come to me and try to haggle me down. And that's stressful. Right. Exactly. It undercuts and being the anti-capitalist that we are here, dear Jazzy, that's no bueno. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, also, tip your artist. Tip your fucking artist, please. It's not necessary because I do think that I offer very reasonable prices where it's exactly the amount of money that I'm looking for. But it is very nice and it makes me love you. As someone who is not a visual artist and strictly commissions art, that's how I interact with visual art tip your fucking artist please (laughs) i can say that (laughs) Um, yeah also if you really like my art and you want to financially say thank you my patreon is a tip jar oh you can sign up for a month and give me a dollar and then leave if you want to that's totally fine that's (laughs) still a dollar for me you can just dip (laughs) peace out (laughs) yeah I mean, people's situations change and I'm not consistent. So I'm not really going to argue if someone's like, oh, you're not drawing exactly what I want to see. So I'm going to go offer another artist my dollar. Or you can sign up for five bucks every month and I will look at that and I will kiss my screen. Ooh. Now that's a patron perk. I should should add that into my Patreon and be like, if you are the Kingster tier patron, I will... I will type your name in Microsoft Word and then kiss it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, Fonny, that and is no all. One... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, no, I was just going to say that, like, and no one will know that I've I've kissed your username except for me. And you. Wink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe you'll feel it. Yes. Through the ether. Maybe you shall feel it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Fonny. Yes. Uh, that is all the questions that I have for you. Was there anything else that we wanted to touch on before we move into the next segment of the show? And also sluggy, I see you talking about camp buddy. I was already getting ready to do it when you sent that, but I appreciate the reminder. Uh, no, I just wanted to say thank you very much for asking me. Uh, very excellent questions. Jazzy. Oh, Jazzy is a good girl. Thank you. Oh, my God. Just going to hit me with that. Mm. There's another bingo square for you. Vocal key smash. (laughs) And you just verbal bottom text. Anywho. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Dear Jesse is partially supported by the wonderful developers of Camp Buddy at BLitz Games. Uh, You can check it out at at oddswithgod.com slash camp buddy where you can use our affiliate links to download the demo possibly buy the game look at uh info on it and every sale does kick back to support uh the show it's one of the best ways to actually help the show outside of our merch and our patreon patreon being the best way if for those keeping score at home wink um So Camp Buddy is an amazing gay erotic visual novel with over 300 unique illustrations, fully animated sex scenes, full voice acting, over 50 hours of content, branching pathways, and some new DLC where you can play as the Scoutmasters? What? I know what I said, and it's fantastic. So 
Again, please check out Camp Buddy at edelswithgod.com slash Camp Buddy. Funny, this is an advice show, and that's where we answer questions. And I would love it more than anything if you would take the honors of reading this first question. Right. Sorry. Let me embiggen my screen first. This one is a very long one. And I'm it's, excited for it. It's very long and the text is very small. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm surprised that you didn't jump on that uh, and say, oh, it's long and you're excited for it. Wow. Wow. See, my mind isn't in the gutter. <laughs> I guess that's my responsibility. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Gotta keep it a kinky advice show. One of us has to at least. Yeah. Um, Okay. So this question says, hi, Jazzy. I'm a Gen Xer who discovered the ABDL subculture back in college. The caregiver little lifestyle really struck a chord with me in either role. But at that time, there wasn't much of a community or any... Uh, really any resources for me to pursue any types of meaningful, meaningful relationships. As a result, by the time I reached my 30s, I accepted that it wasn't going to happen for me and moved on to other things. Then the pandemic happened, and now a year in, living by myself with little to do, I started plugging in ABDL into my podcast searches and found your show. And wow, am I ever amazed at how much things have changed in terms of resources and connections. It's incredible. Uh, The thing is, I'm going to be 43 in a few weeks, and I have concerns about exploring the community again. Having had to defend friends from toxic and predatory older men back when I was younger, I made a promise to myself that I was never going to be that old, creepy, or weird guy who makes people uncomfortable by being in a space they don't belong in. I'm only interested in women around my own age romantically, and I do have vanilla friends of all different ages. However, I'm still worried I'd make people feel weird by being in spaces that seem to be populated mostly by 20 and 30-somethings. Do you have any advice or thoughts on this? Is it worth dipping my toe back in or should I just hang back and enjoy reading and hearing the discourse and be content? I really enjoy the show. Sorry if I rambled a bit there. It's been a really long time since I've talked about this and it felt good to be able to speak about it so freely. Sincerely, Jay. Uh, And there's a footnote and it says, just to clarify some points in case you need them. I'm a switch and while in caregiver role, I find women sexy and cute in diapers and dress up. In a little role, I wouldn't be interested in diapers myself. In that role, it would be about the dom energy and nurturing of the woman I was with. And most of my relationships have been with dominant women of varying degrees. Damn, lucky. Yeah, like for real, damn lucky. Uh, So first of all, Jay, uh, I'm not sure I'm looking at my email client right now because, (laughs) yes, uh, to the Zoomers listening, I do use an email client Um, and I didn't catch your pronouns. So let's assume uh, they them for now just to be safe. Um, first of all, Gen X, uh, fucking wow. What a cool time to be alive and what a cool generation. I'm saying that like as a, a millennial on the younger side and everything. Um, and funny enough, this is something that my boyfriend and I talk about on a fairly regular basis is, um, is the discourse that younger generations have about excluding, um, previous generations out of things talking about, and we've talked about this on the show before where there will be 18 year olds that say, if you're 20 or 21, you're too old to be a furry. You're too old to be ABDL. That's gross. And then there's teenagers that come in and say literally teenage, like children that say like, Oh, you're too old at 18. 
18 is too old to beat ABDL. It's mm-hmm. just like, you're not even a fucking adult. You're, you don't even satisfy that. You don't predicate the A in ABDL. Get out of here. And yeah, we were talking about how this is like a really, really big problem on social media right now is that with the current like like in generation as it were we're seeing and i'm not saying that millennials are not guilty of this because oh my god are we um we're seeing a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to things that gen xers are responsible for making um like the baby boom generation and the gen x generation is responsible for not only abdl but also for the furry fandom and to see people coming in and try to like force people out is so frustrating to me as a furry of 12 years of 12 years. And Mm -hmm. it's like, because it's funny because people will balk at like, Oh, I don't like older people in the fandom. And then they'll elaborate. Yeah. If you're 25, that's ancient. That's old. It's just like, I'm 20. I'm I'm turning 26 pretty soon. I feel great. My bones feel like trash, but I feel great. Otherwise I love being, if this is what being old is like, this is great. (laughs) But you know, and, and there is definitely like some some sort of like release and sort of like a like a like a sigh of relief, like oh, I'm in my mid twenties, my prefrontal cortex is done developing, I feel a little bit less stupid now, <laughs> but um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's uh, you, you say you know a, a space that's mostly populated by twenty and thirty somethings, when you know there there are these very and I'll say it very toxic youngsters coming in and saying that 20 is too old to be part of this and you know what what i want to touch on is you used the language uh old creepy slash weird and there's a well first of all uh 43 is not old at all and don't let anyone tell you that otherwise um i have multiple friends in their 40s and 40 is not old whatsoever my parents are in their 50s i'm telling them that they are they are not old it's it is what it is sorry but um first of all so not old so we can take that we can take that finger off of the the what, what's the, the 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 game where it's put down a finger if you do this you, what, what's the name of that game never have i ever there we go i don't know Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just saw that on TikTok and I was like, I guess that's a TikTok thing. I don't know about that. Is that a TikTok thing? No. (laughs) God, I'm old. TikTok is going to come in and cancel me. I scroll the Instagram discover page. (laughs) So we can put a finger down for that. Um, Mm -hmm. We can also put a finger down for weird slash creepy because being quote unquote old does not automatically equal old and uh, creepy and weird. Being creepy and weird equals being creepy and weird. So you can be whatever age you want and be not creepy and weird. Like, one does not predicate the other. You can be young and be creepy and weird. Oh my god, like, some of the fake daddies that are always in my DMs are just like... (laughs) Hey, Jazzy. And so it's like, you're 19. You have a spelling test to study for. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. if, if someone is uncomfortable with your existence in a space that your generation created, that's a them problem. If someone is uncomfortable with mm-hmm. your existence in a space, well, let's just, let's just go on the assumption that you are not 
creepy and weird. Because if this is something that you feel conscious about or self-conscious about, chances are you're, you're probably not perceived as creepy and weird unless someone else has their own personal problem. Keyword, personal problem. If I, there, there are definitely people when I walk into the dungeon who see that I have D-sized tits and a little tiny micro penis and they get really weirded out by that. And they're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable in this space. And I'm like, I'm sorry that I am an image of a Greek goddess. Uh, sounds like you, you have a problem because I feel great. <laughs> this isn't a me thing. This is a you thing. Um, so I guess that that is to say, like, you know, the other thing you said is, you know, like, uh, y- you've seen friends get preyed upon by uh, older people. And you say how that's something that you don't want to be perceived to doing. But then you also say that uh, you're only interested in women around your own age uh, romantically. And there you go, you know. I think, you know, going leaning into the stereotype of like the quote unquote, like creepy caregiver that slides into DMs, you know, every single one of these things, we're just like kind of putting our fingers down. It's just like, hey, look, this isn't you. And also this isn't, you know, going going back to the whole thing where it's just like you should be allowed to exist in any space. And this is this is just sort of like a general, like more social justice theme that we can like extrapolate this too. Um, but like I keep saying, like not only is the space open for adults, um, just that's mm-hmm. the first letter in ABDL in kink in general, like pretty much all adults are welcome. Also your age group created this <laughs> and I keep saying that over and over, but it's, it boggles my mind. The, the gatekeeping that we see and everything. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm really happy that you're enjoying the show. Uh, I did get your email, uh, the, the response to my response. I'm sorry that I didn't uh, reply to that yet. Um, this is a fantastic question. Thank you so much for sending it in and everything. Uh, I really hope that you do indeed dip your toe back in uh, and really just kind of like get inundated with it. Because like you said, you know, ABDL is a crazy huge mainstream kink now and the the whole kink world and space for it has just like exploded and there's so much out there in terms of community and resources and products like you were saying so by all means dive head deep into the deep end and have fun with it uh fawny did you have anything that you wanted to add to this yeah of course uh so first of all i love this question i love it fantastic Yeah. um, Thank you, Jay, for sending this in and, you know, letting me have a crack at this because, wow, uh, you're 43 and you're new to the community. And I wish I could just like grab your hand and drag you in myself and say, hey, let's go. Let's go explore. I just want to take Jay to Capcom and be like, I can show you the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really do hope that you make some friends in this community. Um, because there are, there are people around your age who are very, very cool. And they could probably, you know, like, be the person that you bounce your ideas off of. And, um, you know, I, I think it would be totally fine for you to be in the community. Um, I know that you're, you're kind of self-conscious of coming off as weird and creepy. But I think the, the litmus test of 
if you're weird and creepy or not is are you self-aware enough to question if you are or not uh and because you have questioned that i don't think you are weird and creepy Mm -hmm. um a lot of it does come down to self-awareness like i think you know how to talk to people uh especially like with maturity uh and with that self-awareness to be able to strike up a normal conversation instead of being like hey diapers question mark literally right that's what i was going to say is that this is actually the most like bespoke question that's ever been submitted to the show so kudos to that one yeah um and you know i would really suggest like you know making an account somewhere um i don't know what the best sites for socializing are right now twitter but uh oh yeah probably twitter uh twitter's fun and it's easy to get stuck there yes it is and you don't have to share a lot of information about yourself you can just you know, say that uh, you are into ABDL and that you're an adult. Like, a lot of people vet their followers based on, like, if they're over 18 or not. So just put that you're in over 18 in your, in your bio. And then follow some people and see what happens. Like us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not illegal to, to browse the internet and have an account and, and look at things. And then as you get more comfortable, as you see how the community works, uh, then you can kind of come out of your, your little shell and, and introduce yourself. And, you know, uh, a lot of the people that I've connected with are older than me. Um, some of them are much older than me. Like, I think um, one of my best benefactors is is a, a middle-aged fella, and I love him to bits and pieces. Aww. And... Yeah. Hello, uh, and I've, I've had friends in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had friends in the local community too who are in like their late 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. They're just cool people. They're I'm going to go out on a limb and say, like, I vastly prefer hanging out with people that are older than me just because the drama factor mm-hmm. and the down to earth factor is like exponentially higher. It's just like if I ever want to just sit mm-hmm. down and just have a good hang that's when I hang out with my older friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, as, as, as much as I can say, like, you know, most of the older people that I've encountered are very chill and very cool. And I love hanging out with them. There are the folks who I've come across who are in their forties and fifties who have made me go, eh, I'm not going to talk to you anymore, but that's mm-hmm. because they weren't self-aware enough to know that their messages and advances were creepy. Yeah. They didn't get to know me first before they were like, hey, you want to talk about diapers? So that's, and also, if they that's were kind like, of the advice that I would give is like, just get to know people first before really jumping into the fetish stuff. That's it. I totally talked over you again. I'm so sorry. One of these days I will be better about it. <laughs> but um, I think I'm just going to like, roll right through and then give you the talking stick yeah <laughs> so yeah. It, it's funny so here you the, go talking stick coming at you talking stick uh in the editing process i've actually turned your mic up a little bit more like closer to and a little bit past mine so whenever i accidentally talk over you people can still hear you <laughs> oh perfect yeah so um 
You know, one of the other things is that if someone is creepy at 40 or 50, they were probably creepy at 20. <laughs> age. That's true. Yeah. Age does not have a correlation to creep factor. That is just like a, mm-hmm. those are totally independent variables. And that's all mm-hmm. I have to say on that one. Do you want to do the next one? Uh, sure. Yeah. Go ahead and read it. Yeah. Uh, this is from Sluggy Wuggy Bucky, pronouns she, her. Uh, dear Jesse, what are your thoughts on play wrestling? Um, I think it is really hot and really intimate. And as someone whose love language is physical touch, um, it's like very intense (laughs) physical touch, but also it's very like playful and fun and rough housing and you're getting a lot of energy out. And also there's like definitely like a little element to it because it's just like, oh, you're rough and tumble and everything. I love it. Uh, Gray and I think it's really, really cute and really sweet. Like, I'm just saying I love getting pinned and it's just like a, like a fun little thing or like tickle fights. There are lots of really cute ways to take this and everywhere. Uh, my, my thoughts are very quick on this one. Talking stick. Okay. Uh, I think my thoughts are also very quick on this. Uh, yes. Uh, resounding. Yes. Uh, as long as you've cleared all the furniture out of the way so that you don't smack your forehead on the coffee table. Um, that sounds very specific. Uh, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like later in a couple blankets or something and just have at her. Uh, yeah. Have your safe words, of course, for when you really need to tap out. But yeah, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the, the best scenes that I've I've kind of viewed at the local dungeon uh, were some of the ones where people were just roughhousing on the mats, trying to get the, the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like kinky WWE. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm here for that. Look, if someone did like a full scene where like the, the idea behind the scene was that they were wrestlers and everything and they were like fighting for like a belt or something, that would be a mm-hmm. quality scene. I would love that more than anything. Yes. Okay. Do you want to take the next question? Yeah, of course. Uh, it is from Skywalker Ranch, Squawker Ranch, uh, pronouns he, him, um, who says, Dear Femme Fart Machines. Wow. Wow. Rude. Wow. This is part of the reason why I want to have a mug that says this mug is full of beans with the Dear Jazzy <laughs> logo on it. <laughs> Okay, uh, it says, been revisiting a lot of media from my formative years, seeing as I am needing to reform myself a bit. Anywho, what piece of media do you believe impacted you the most as an individual? Personally, I can say my life has been changed positively by Princess Mononoke and Avenue Q from Squawker Ranch, best for dipping carrots. Uh, wow, those are both really, really good. Not only Princess Mononoke being a masterpiece, but also Avenue Q being on the other end of the serious spectrum and also being a masterpiece. Um, God, I, I think one of the things that really just like expanded my like philosophy and worldview, because it, it came into my life when I was really, really impressionable and like hashtag LOL deep and everything is um, I, I watched Neon Genesis Evangelion for the first time when I was a teenager. I was like in college away from my parents and I just binged the whole thing over a couple of nights. And I was just like a complete space case, just like 
catatonic in my dorm room, just like trying to analyze everything that I had just witnessed. And if you've seen Evangelion, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And like the show just tackled so many themes and topics. And a lot of it was based around the whole idea of like the coming of age story. And there I was a teenager like very quickly becoming an adult in college. And it just hit me and the character of Shinji just like really just hit me like a truck. And it just like, and I, it was, it was nuts. And I actually do have um, my copy of Ava three and my platinum collection uh, signed by Spike Spencer, who is a really, really nice guy. I met him at Colossal Con a few years back. One of the coolest guys um, I've ever gotten an autograph from next to Frank Iero of My Chemical Romance. Um, when it comes to <laughs> media, um, speaking of MCR, I would absolutely say um, the discographies of uh, AFI and MCR, um, those were the first... Um, for, for those of you that know, I, I had a very religious upbringing, and my parents are really, really cool now, so it's totally different. Um, but I did not hear any secular music, any non-Christian music until I was like in fifth grade or so. And the first band I ever heard was AFI. And very quickly after that came MCR and System of a Down. And then after that came Slipknot. And then, you know, I just became a degenerate piece of goth trash for the rest of my life. And um, just the very specifically the works of MCR and AFI, um, have stuck with me and have been so important and, and have seen me soothe through so many phases of my life and so many eras of friend circles and breakups and get togethers and hangouts and just every, every event of my life could be soundtracked. Um, I can almost like remember the songs of like every little phase of my life and like what was happening and what song was playing from which CD. Those two bands are like so important to my development as like a human being and as to like who I am and everything and just absolutely incredible. I'm tearing up a little bit. <laughs> a lot of people know music mm -hmm. is really important to me and very specifically those bands yeah. are really, really important to me. So yeah. Talking stick. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a difficult question because like I don't really tend to like internalize media too mm -hmm. much to the point that I notice. Uh, and that's not being me being like, I'm a special snowflake and uh, I don't <laughs> I don't take my personality from other things. Uh, I totally do. Um, I absolutely do. And I mean, if I had to like say one piece of media really impacted me, it would probably be Chobits. Mm -hmm. It'd probably be like the art style and the story of Chobits and like finding that as a, as a little teamlet. Um, kind of opened up a, a world of just different kinds of art to me, um, different ways of like expressing myself and different things to look at, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, there's also a, now that I'm thinking about it, books are also an option. Books are also media. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a, a revelation to me. That is true. Books uh, are technically media. There is one book series that I went nuts for as a preteen, 
and it uh, it is still a book series that like really touches my heart whenever I see anything to do with it. Uh, it is called The Immortals Quartet by Tamara Pierce. Um, Tamara Pierce also did um, the books about Alana the Lioness, A Lady Knight, uh, that were quite popular. It's a series of four books. Um, and The Immortals Quartet was about a young girl with magical powers and she doesn't really know where she comes from or why she has these powers or what they really do but she's able to connect really deeply with animals and she goes on this big adventure like venturing out from her small little town uh, to figure out like what's going on with the world and its magic and you know to to figure out like the big mystery of, of the series like um, there's political intrigue and, and monsters and um, she is able to like grow her powers and develop as a person. And it's also like her coming of age. Uh, she figures out a little bit of romance. Uh, Tamara Pierce specializes in writing stories about young girls um, and their coming of age stories. Like she'll get right into it with like, oh, she's developing and just got her first period. How does she feel about it? Who does she go to? Um, how do other people react to it? And like, kind of explore everything around that like um and I think wild magic really touched me as a kid because I was like the youngest of three kids in a pretty uh pretty protective sort of household um like I, I wasn't really allowed to do too much as a kid both because like we didn't have the money for it and because my mom was constantly terrified that I'd be kidnapped. And I mean, fair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I had kids, they would never be allowed to go outside. Um, <laughs> fair. Yeah. But yeah, like those books were like my first foray into true fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I recommend them as a really good, like young adult read. They still hold up. I'm going to addendum my answer. Um, you inspired me talking about books. Uh, is it okay if I throw some books into the fray as well? Yes. Yeah. So some of the books that were um, so important for my development of like who I am as a person and what I like believe in, in terms of like personal philosophy and everything. Um, I mean, all joking aside, I know people are going to throw the, the trans commie emote that I have in the server all over when I say mm -hmm. this, but um some of the books that completely just like kind of like opened my eyes when it comes to ideas of class struggle and um, equality and civil rights and social justice would be uh, Marx's The Communist Manifesto, um, Animal Farm, and Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Uh, the Jungle specifically also just really hit me because I read it when I was 15 or so. And which is a ripe young age to start learning about cra uh, class struggle. Um, mm -hmm. And that was, you know, also in tandem with us talking about, oh, the proletariat uprising in world history class. And it just kind of like hit. And, you know, it, it took me some time to get with the socialist program and everything. But when it comes to like what I believe in as an adult human and like, how I like believe how other human, all other humans should be like treated and everything. It, it really stems back to like 
learning about class struggle and inequality and all that sort of stuff from those three. But one I read very recently that has also just like completely, I would quite literally say like changed my life was, um, was I read uh, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo um, at the recommendation of Gray, actually. And I'm going to speak very specifically to all the white people listening. Please read this book. It is so important and so foundational in understanding the concepts. Like, if you want to approach the concepts of anti-racism, this is the perfect foundation with which afterwards you can then start learning about anti-racism. But let white fragility be like the the base that you start with if you haven't looked into this sort of stuff before. It's written by a white person to white people very specifically. And it is um it's a nonfiction piece and Robin is a um is a diversity trainer and she's talking about all these just crazy stories about how she'll go in and do a program and talk about racism and the structural systems that of oppression that are in the Western world and the world at large, but very specifically from like a U.S. lens um, and talking about these people that we would contemporarily call Karens that have these absolute like complete meltdowns and talking about how talking about racism bad can trigger white fragility in which like oh racism is bad but i'm not uh, 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 and like talking about like what that is where does it come from why is it a thing what's the legacy of this and why is it a thing in our society and how does it hold us back and how can one recognize it and move forward from it and it has taught me so much and it is an unbelievably good read and with um the black lives matter movement right now i think it is like very like paramount in understanding what is happening in the world right now so that's another book that is completely and again i just read this recently and it is just like been incredibly uh eye-opening it's on audible if you want to listen to it that way while you're doing something um it's also not a very long read if you want to get the the paper version or kindle version totally recommend all those books especially white fragility talking stick yeah uh like i don't want to make this uh like a sort of a social justice-y uh talking about racism podcast but i also like thank you for bringing that up uh i've seen excerpts from white fragility and yeah it's fantastic and i i plan to read it eventually mm-hmm. i should probably just do that whenever i finish my commissions yeah i'm gonna put my back down right now but um but yeah i think a vast majority of us white folks have been kind of programmed to uh have a little visceral reaction whenever it's like you're fragile and white and it's like that that is the white fragility to like have that visceral reaction right Um, exactly and it's it's hard to kind of deprogram it but it is totally possible and then it opens up the options for like having good empathetic conversations with other people absolutely and also Mm -hmm. 
don't worry about making it social justice-y because literally it is always a good time to talk about social justice. It is never not a bad time to talk about it. Um, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. I um, know some people like to come here to just kind of unplug from the world, so. Yeah, no, that's valid. And also talking mm-hmm. about social justice good is also mm-hmm. fairly light, like not getting into like very, 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 very heavy stuff, but just sort of touching on it. And um, one one funny thing before we move on is I um, I was, um, as I think I talked about on the show before, um, I recently, uh, before the end of 2020, I renewed uh, my, I paid my dues to the Communist Party of the United States. And they always send out like emails like, oh, welcome to the party, yada, yada, yada. What do you do to like further the cause, comrade? And I was talking about how I, I run a podcast and <laughs> much to the dismay of some people, I, I use my platform to talk about the ideals of of the party and equality and justice and all that. And they're like, oh, that's great. Where can we listen? I was like, you're not going to listen to the show. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but do know that I, I use the show for the forces of good <laughs> as it were. And they're like, OK, that's all we can ask for. <laughs> I was like, thank you. So yeah. that that is the story of <laughs> of that. Uh, shall we move on to the next question? For sure, and it is your turn to read. Yes, it is. Uh, dear Jazz and the gang, what fast food chain has the best kids meals? Should more fast food chains take a cue from McDonald's and offer a choice between traditional toy and a book? And that's from Chicken Nugget filled JB. Pronouns she her. Um, I think by far the best kids meal is McDonald's just be going from talking about the CP USA to talking about gross capitalism. I know sue me, but McDonald's has the best kids meal because that's the only one where you can get a go-gurt with it. Just saying. Um, and I totally agree that, um, more, more, more restaurants should be offering, um, books as their toys because you know like the toys are cool and it's just like oh cool I'm going to put this in the toy chest with all the other ABDL toys I have but a book is you know like I, I like that a little bit more that vibes with me a little bit more um, so yeah no I totally do think that they should take the cue from McDonald's to include books and also to include Gogurt because I would be more inclined to get other kids meals other places mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it my turn? Yes, I did not. I didn't say talking stick. I'm sorry. I was waiting for it. I was being so polite. <laughs> yes. Um, I have not. Yeah. I don't think I've had a kid's meal from any other place other than McDonald's in in a very, very long time. And I haven't really looked up what other places have. Uh because I'm just like, no, I'm not good with four chicken nuggets. I need all six. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, and like, that's always what I go for is chicken nuggets. So I don't care about anything else. But yeah, if other places offered cool toys or just like, I guess, good developmental things like like books, um, I might be more inclined to try them out. Yeah. And yeah, just like those those healthy choices like the the apple slices. That was a beautiful idea. I kind of miss like the little mini cookies that they used to have. Oh my god, that's right. Awesome. 
Right? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long um, while. Yeah, like back when I used to work at a place that had a McDonald's in it, um, I would go and I would get my chicken nuggets and whatever soda drink uh, that I wanted that day in a little little bag of mini cookies. And that was like my order. I would walk up and they'd be like, the usual? And I'd be like, yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With a sigh, like, oh, I guess this is who I've become. Yeah. And also, I yeah. think the Happy Meal is literally the perfect amount of food for not only a child, but an adult human. Like, it is... For, for something like lunch? Yeah. Yeah, no, it is just perfect. I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, if only McDonald's would bring back all-day breakfast. Uh, actually, no, that, that it's probably good that that did not go, because everyone is going through the quarantine 15. I don't need to make it a quarantine 1500, because that is what would happen if all-day breakfast was still That's a thing true. at our local McDonald's. I'm yeah. kind of glad that isn't a thing. Alas, I have to make my own McGriddles. <laughs> Sad face. <laughs> Alas. Yeah. All right. Uh, so the next one looks like it is for you to read. Uh, okay. It's from, from Sluggy, pronoun she, her. Uh, it says, dear Jazzers, on multiple episodes, you've said you were part of your local dungeon and I was curious. How do dungeons feel about solo play? Do you have to have a partner to visit dungeons? And do they have rooms for solo guests to use? Love, Swoggy Bear. Well, uh... Our club, I'll speak specifically about our club because I know you and I live 15 minutes away from each other, Slucky. But um, in, in a wider scope, it totally depends on the club. Most good clubs are totally open to people coming in single and solo and have opportunities for you to engage solo in their equipment and activities uh, there. Um if if a club says you must come with someone, it maybe is not the best club to do. Like, oh, we're not a swingers club. You're, you can't come looking for people. You have to come with your own date. It's, I don't know. That, that reads a little yucky. Uh, any, any Dungeon With or Assault should be more than welcoming to solo play and solo practitioners to come in and enjoy themselves. And also... Um, a lot of dungeons, or rather specifically our dungeon and what I feel other dungeons should offer, is they have a ring of seating around the main dungeon area. And what some people do is they come in, they pay their $20 entry fee, they come in, just they keep wearing their street clothes and they just sit down and they just enjoy watching people having fun. And then that's what they do. Like they don't like they don't rustle their jimmies or anything. They just kind of sit there and smile and watch and nod and they just kind of take it all in and appreciate it. And as someone who's an exhibitionist, that's great. Um uh Sluggy our dungeon does also have solo rooms if you want to pull the curtain or not solo rooms, but private rooms where you can pull the curtain and do whatever you want in there. Um a lot of dungeons do have uh privacy options. Um Again, it, it's totally dependent, um, speaking to the listeners at large, what is available in your area and everything. But that is a feature that a lot of good dungeons will have is the ability to find a dark corner and pull a curtain and just be like alone with you, with you yourself or your partners, possibly. Um, yeah. Uh, 
so to answer your question, uh, you should not need a partner to visit a dungeon and you should be able to find more than enough fun, whether you go with someone else or multiple people or by yourself. And that's that. Fonny's turn. Um, yeah, uh, and I'm going to talk about a, like a similar but different experience. Uh, the dungeon that I'm part of, that I've been vetted for, um, you did need to know someone who went to that dungeon before you just showed up there. Um, so you'd like get to know them on FetLife or something. Um, just like join the group and like chit chat with a couple people. Then they would bring you to the dungeon. They would get you signed in as like a probationary member. And then after uh, your third visit, I think it was, then you would become a, a fully fledged member. Um, as like once you've kind of shown them that you're not just there to pick up chicks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you were totally allowed to go on your own. You could just show up as a as a solo player, and they would give you uh, one of two wristbands. Um, it would be one color wristband meant uh, I don't really want to play with anyone. I don't want to be approached to play. Uh, and the other wristband meant, uh, yeah, you can totally approach me and, and talk to me about playing with you. Um, and I really like that system where it's like, oh, maybe I just want to be left alone because I'm here with someone who I'm going to play with already. Or maybe I'm just looking to watch and I don't want to be propositioned for anything. Uh, and there were two, two separate areas of the dungeon that you could go to. One was the social area where you were allowed to talk freely with other people, just have conversations. Uh, and that was where a lot of play was set up. They also had a Littles Corner down there, which was really cute. Uh, they brought in a whole bunch of toys and blankets on the floor, and they would play movies, and they'd just be other Littles just kind of, like, congregating. Um, and I kind of regret that I never really, like, got into that. I was more there for, like, the BDSM side of things. Um, but the playroom itself operated differently than yours, I gather. There wasn't really seating. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was kind of room in the middle for standing and watching. Um, and then around the edges of this, of this room, it was uh, a rented out community center. It was a, a little pop-up dungeon, so they would rent out this community center. That's a um, cool fucking community center. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, the agreement was... Uh, you had to wear street clothes outside. Couldn't really advertise that this was a uh, BDSM club uh, in this area. You had to be uh, conscious of the neighbors and, <clears throat> you know, just be generally polite. And as long as you didn't really make a scene or leave anything behind for the, the next people in that community center to find, then it would be totally fine. Um, and there was... I'm sorry, I just had the mental image of someone leaving a fucking horse cock in the bathroom for Patrick <laughs> and just attached to the mirror or something. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, uh, the people who ran it, the organizers, were very thorough about like making sure that nothing was left behind. It was a really tightly run system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so tightly run that like private rooms there were not a thing. You could not go behind closed doors to play. Everything was supervised. Uh, It was generally agreed that um, you would play safely. You would follow the the tenets of safe, sane, and consensual. That meant no drugs, no alcohol, no actual sex happening on premises. Um, You could do all those things elsewhere um, if you wanted to. But if you were on those premises using the dungeon's equipment, you had to be supervised by a dungeon master who would 
have the yellow vest on and walk around and had to have full uh, visual of kind of what was going on. If you were mm-hmm. playing with rope, you had to have safety scissors uh, in your space. Uh, if you were playing with needles or anything like that, you had to have your sharps container and uh, a first aid kit on hand. Um, like it was, it was a very tightly controlled situation that made you feel really safe. That's good. Um, yeah. And because everyone was really chill there, I had no problem just whipping my clothes off and being like, all right, let's, um, and yeah, like the, the whole solo play thing, like if you wanted to use a piece of equipment or something, um, if a spot was open, you were free to take it. You didn't have to have a partner to just go use the mats or go use the, the cage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I totally, um, recommend that sluggy go explore. Yeah, go do it. Uh, it looks like I have the next question, but did we want to add on anything to this one? Uh, no, I think all good. Okay. This is from Ko, the wannabe baby chef, pronouns she, her. Dear pampered pantry plunderers, that was difficult. Uh, what is your favorite thing <laughs> to make with a little kitchen helper and as the little helper? Um, I would say for both of these, baking is is really fun because unlike like cooking on a stove and like with meats and that sort of stuff it's really hard to fuck up baking <laughs> in comparison to uh to to more like intricate dishes like baking is pretty much just like throw shit in in a bowl mix it up throw it in the oven your gucci um and in that simplicity it's really, really fun and simple and cute to either be the helper or to have a helper um, alongside with you. And I don't know, it's just like a really like precious fun thing. And then at the end of it, you get to eat sweets and that's just fantastic. It's just like, oh, look, you helped me make brownies. Now wait 40 minutes for them to bake. Go watch two episodes of Bluey, then come back and then we'll have like milk and cookies or milk and brownies together. And it's like such a beautiful thing because it's like the efforts of like you and your partners, um, doing a thing and then reaping a very tangible reward at the end of it. And it's just really cute. And I love it so, so much. So I would say my favorite thing to make Mm -hmm. as a little helper or with a little helper is any sort of baking, whether it be like a dessert item or like a pizza crust type thing. So that's what I'd say. Yeah. Oh, you said pizza crust. And I was going to say, making your own pizzas. Yes. You get to put the sauce on. You get to do cheese. You get to, like, decorate it with all your little pepperonis and vegetables. That's super fun. Yeah. You can make a Um, face with it. Yeah. And, you know, just, like, watching a little just, like, go nuts with all the pizza toppings is just super fun. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to put all the pepperonis over here and all the mushrooms over there. Um, and I'm totally that disgusting person who loves mushrooms on pizza. Mushroom on pizza and, is good. Uh, yeah. Uh, also stuff like pancakes. Yes. Uh, like letting them letting them mix the batter, letting them add the mix-ins, um, decorating cu- uh, cupcakes. Mm-hmm. It's always really fun. 
I love making um, but that uh, also waffles. falls under baking. Yes. Um, Ooh, yeah, waffles. Yeah, I love making waffles for Daddy when I'm feeling small. Just like whip it up, throw on the iron, and just like as soon as it comes off the iron, just immediately into my mouth, and it's scalding hot, but it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, fluffy on the ins- on the inside, perfectly crispy on the outside. Mm. Mm, still so good. So good. Yeah. So this last one is for you. Yeah, uh, it is from. Uh, oh, let me double check in the questions. Uh, it's from Jesse. Jesse pronounced she her. Jesse says, "Dear Jazz, what sort of things do you bring on? Uh, do you do to bring on little space?" Uh, when you're there, what sort of things do you do to make sure that you don't get knocked out of little space? Much loves the unicorn princess. So getting into little space is, um, it's a little bit different for me because I am, I'm in a little bit of like a uncommon or unique situation in which I have, um, I have the privilege of not like, of basically sort of kind of being a lifestyler. And in that regard, I'm, I'm sort of kind of always in some semblance of, of a little space, whether it be like, I'm like, I'm perfectly of my adult mind talking about sex and doing the show and everything and doing my taxes like an adult and handling my finances. You know, there's always that little tinge of just like, yes, I'm doing these adult things while wrapped up in my security blanket. And it's like being able to do all those things while still having like that support structure of like my little comforts and everything while still functioning as an adult. But when it comes to actually bringing on little space, it's, it's, it's less of like doing something to bring it on. It's more of something I just like fall into, just kind of like let down the guard and just like, just right back down and everything. But uh, early on, it wasn't so easy uh, when it comes to getting into that space. I find that um, a good place to start uh, was my bed because that's where all my stuffies are and all the blankets and all the all the comfortable things are like it's soft and it's warm and it's safe. And that's just a great place to like to like fall into little space and everything. So really just kind of like curling up and grabbing a stuffy and giving them a big hug and kind of feeling that love and warmth like radiate from within and then just like letting it bloom and all of a sudden boom you're in little space and once I'm there what I like to do is I like to keep my phone um on silent and out of reach um just because that really like knocks me hard out of little space and if I'm watching uh Disney Plus or something on my laptop will turn on do not disturb mode and I'll close out discord and um, I'll, I'll close like the other tabs in the web browser and just like totally hone in on that and like get like some, some goldfish or something and basically just reducing outside distractions. Um, like, like if I have like all my other work done and if I'm not expecting like any calls or anything like that and I can safely just kind of shut down my portals to the outside world beyond this townhouse that's when I can just like whoop done this is me time and I think like establishing that boundary of me time means this for me is a great way to get started with that uh Fani what do you think 
Uh, sadly, I don't really have any experience with little space. Like mm-hmm. I've kind of circled around it and been like, mm, that seems neat. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll poke it a little bit, but I don't think I've ever really gotten into it. I think mm-hmm. the closest I've, I've been is like whenever I hang out with pizza bagel, honestly. Aw. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to the next time I get to do that. No, cute. Oh, my God. Precious. Yeah. I guess it's just like being in a really uh, safe and uh, sort of comforting place. Like, yeah, where you don't have your phone distracting you. Um, Yeah, a lot of it has to do with feeling safe, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say the common thread I'm hearing between us is safe and affirming. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have any on this one. I could talk to you about sewing machines all night long, but <laughs> and and as you know so and as you know, we do uplift special interests here on Dear Jesse. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um that is all I got. Uh, Fani, is there anything else that you want to say before we kind of wrap it up? I need a mug that says this mug is full of beans. That is a perfect transition point because I was about to talk about the merch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There are some new merch designs (laughs) up on the store. Uh, You can find a link to it uh, here in our Discord. There's also a link on at oddswithgod.com. Uh, there's some stickers now, just saying, wink, people have asked for stickers and I delivered. There are now stickers. Um, so the designs that other people have submitted, like uh, Juice and Raystar and uh, Soup, um, some of the proceeds from those sales uh, get kicked back and go to them as well as like an appreciation for like, like hey, thanks for letting me make your work into <laughs> into merch and everything so if you want to not only support the show but also some of your favorite artists there you go and then you get stickers and mugs and shirts and all sorts of fun stuff along with it um uh all the merch has also been updated with uh, anything that had the dear jazzy thumbnail art on it has been updated to have speckles on it Ooh, very exciting i know um and then there's some new stuff on there and some more stuff coming very soon. I'm really excited about that. And I don't talk on the show enough about the merch, I feel. But all that being said, uh, please check out Camp Buddy and please check out the Patreon. I'm really excited for the porn that I'm going to be putting up on there pretty soon. Uh, don't forget, if you are on the Patreon Uh, your rewards are delivered via Discord. So if you're not on the Discord yet, but you are on the Patreon, hit me up and I can get you set up so you can get fapping. Other than that, uh, that's all I got. Funny, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, You've asked me this like three times and every time I just like get super flustered, like, do I know where I live? Yeah. Um, You can find me. (laughs) You can find me at Twitter. Under the username Fonny EBDL. You can find me on Patreon under the username Fonny EBDL. And I also live on 34 Cukers uh, Art Gallery Discord group, uh, where I upload pretty frequently. Again, under the name Fonny EBDL. Wonderful. And also, uh, you can now find all Fonny's links on at oddswithgod.com because you, you made a 
Linktree, and that is now in the link section of the website. Woo! Uh, and same thing. Yay, thank you. Yes, of course. Uh, same thing with all my links, my Twitter, my Discord. All the stuff is there on the website as well under my Linktree. Y- you know who I am and everything. Um, <laughs> I'm here to uplift funny right now in this space, in this time. So, mm-hmm. with all that being said, Dear Jazzy is an at oddswithgod.com production. Please visit us online at at oddswithgod.com. Check out the merch, the Patreon, the Camp Buddy, the Fawny, the Jazzy, and everything else. And also, I keep forgetting, check out the usual bet, our sister show, uh, the most amazing ABZL podcast on the market right now. That's all I've got. I have been Jasmine Starshine. I've been Fawny ABDL. And we will see you next time. Good night. Night. We, uh, <laughs> the goth club that we go to literally has um, a whole book of like a like a binder full of DVDs. And it's literally just like 110,000 copies of The Matrix, 